such a powerful idea, the recognition that my thoughts are not always expressed in my words, but we ask Hashem not only to listen to the, the words that I say, but also to my thoughts. Okay, let's keep on going. Hakshiva shavi malki velokai ke'elecha espalal. Heed the sound of my cry, my King and God, for I pray to you. So the Malbim suggests what's this doing over here? This is a prerequisite of all prayer, right? David Amalek is saying, I daven to you. What does that mean? Of course, he's, he's speaking to Hashem. David is trying to emphasize that he places his trust in Hashem. One of the prerequisites of tefillah is that we recognize that Hashem has the ability to listen to our tefillos and the ability to do something about our tefillos. And if we don't recognize that, if we don't express that recognition, then that is then we're lacking in our tefillah. So we have to not only pray, but we also have to express a belief in the in the concept of prayer. And that is being expressed right now with David's words. Okay. So those are all kind of introductory statements. David is asking Hashem to listen. He's, he's saying, I believe in you, Hashem. Listen to my words, but also listen to my thoughts. Okay, let's go further. Hashem Boker Tishma Koli. Boker erach lecha vatzapeh. Hear my voice, Hashem, in the morning, at daybreak. At daybreak, I plead before you and wait. Okay, so the Das Mikra understands, right? So the Das Mikra understands that these words over here were said in the morning in the base of Migdash. This was a morning tefillah. Keep in mind, it was it, it, initially... Initially, they, there wasn't structured tefillah, prayers as we have it. When David Amalek was around, there was no Shmona Esrei. And many of the prayers were actually prayers that were composed, either people made their own prayers or they utilized the prayers composed by David. So the Das Mikra suggests this was a prayer that was said in the morning. And that's what it's saying. Hashem Boker Tishmako, listen to me in the morning. Okay? Now, Rav Hirsch understands that what's happening over here is that it's not, yes, it's true, it was said in the morning, but there were, the morning is mentioned twice over here. And it's, it's meant to be a metaphor of sorts. And what David is saying is like this, Hashem boker tishmakoli, in the morning, listen to my voice, boker erach lechavatzape, in the morning, I plead before you for a morning that I anticipate. What is the morning that David anticipates? This is a reference to the current state that we're in. We're in a current state of darkness where, as we'll see, this chapter of Tehillim is going to be discussing the, the growth of, of those who are evil. And David is saying, we live in a time of darkness. God, I am awaiting the time of true morning, which is the Messianic era. I'm waiting for a time of light. So David over here is asking Hashem to bring about a true morning. I dive into you in the morning, but he thinks in the morning of the true morning, of the real morning, of what morning really represents, not just a time of light that I could look outside, but a time that I could look at the world and see God's hand. Right now we look around and we don't see God's hand. Okay, let's keep on reading and then we'll pull this all together. For you are not a God who desires wickedness. Evil cannot abide with you. Wanted men cannot endure in your sight. You detest all evildoers. You doom those who speak lies. Murderous, deceitful men. Hashem abhors. Okay, so David in these past three psukim referred to the fact that God does not care for evil people. Now, the simple understanding is that Hashem despises evil, evil, evil people, etc. Right? That that and really the focus over here is that David is saying, Hashem, you don't uh, look positively to those who are true evildoers. And David's going to contrast with himself. But the Malbim understands that this is actually still a reference to God. In the ancient world, think of Greek mythology. What do we know about the ancient gods? They're petty, they're jealous, they're, 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 they're driven by passions, by desires. And so David over here is saying, no, 
God does not care for all those things. God cannot be bribed. God does not lie. God is not murderous, right? David over here is contrasting the God that we believe in compared to the gods that others believed in, these, these vengeful gods. David HaMelech is saying, absolutely not. And we'll see. I think the Malvim's approach is, is found very clearly in the next words. These next words should be familiar to you. David saying, everyone else, they turn to their gods because they're afraid, because the God is going to punish them. We have to appease the gods. But for me, a believer in Hashem, I come to you through your abundant love, your chesed, your kindness. Right? So basically, David is saying, I don't come to you out of fear. I don't come to you because I'm afraid that you're going to send this lightning bolt and punish me. I'm not doing this so that I'll avoid, um, avoid your, 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 your retribution and, and you know, this divine justice. No. God, you've welcomed me into your house. You've asked me to create a home that we could share. You love me. I, the God that we believe in is a loving God. Yes, there's justice. Yes, there is punishment. But ultimately, the foundation of the relationship is one of love. Okay? So that is what's happening over here. I think the Bible's approach is a beautiful approach. David, again, these are all still introductory passages, but David is saying, uh, I come to you, God. This is really the, a, a prayer that we begin our day with. I come to you in the morning. And I, I come to you and I pray. And I pray for an ultimate morning. And I recognize that as I say these words, they could fall short. Listen to my thoughts, not only to my words. I believe in prayer. And I don't see you, God, as a vengeful, uh, punish, punitive God. But rather, I see you as a loving God. Okay? And I bow down to your, to, your, to your holy temple with fear, right? In other words, even though we come to God with love, we recognize that God loves us, but still that doesn't mean that we act casually with God. We bow down to him. We submit ourselves with fear, okay? And now here we move on to the essence of the prayer. Hashem, sorry, let me just scroll up. Hashem leman Now that was all introductory. Here's the prayer itself. That's why I've changed the font, I've changed the color to red. Hashem, lead me along your righteous paths. Path because of my watchful foes, make your way straight before me. Ask God to help us serve him, right? And who are these foes that we speak about? For David, it was certainly about his physical foes, those his enemies that he had. But there's also the deeper meaning, the fact that we have, sometimes we are our own worst enemy. We're asking God, protect ourselves from ourselves. Don't let me fall in the, you know, we all have our weaknesses. We all have our, our things that we keep on, you know, the mistakes we keep on making. We turn to Hashem in the beginning of the day and we recognize that we are powerless to overcome our Yetzirah, our evil inclination without God's help, right? So the Gemara says that without God's helping us, we'd be completely lost. Evil's pretty powerful. Our own internal evil is pretty powerful. So Hashem Nechini V'tzikasecha, lead me along your righteous path. That's what we all want at the end of the day. We all want to do what's right. We're just giving voice to that. We're saying, God, help me. Bring me on the straight path. That's what we really want. Okay? And... There's no sincerity on their lips. Their heart is filled with malice. Their throat is an open grave. Their tongue slippery. Again, whether we're talking about external foes or internal foes. Condemn them, Hashem. Let them fall by their own devices. Cast them out for their many crimes. They defy you. Right? The simple understanding is certainly about external foes. But if we don't have external foes, I hope we don't have any personal enemies. We're talking about the enemies of the Jewish people. People, but also on a personal level, our own personal struggles is certainly an appropriate 
uh, um, manifestation, appropriate um, um, direction for these prayers to, to, to be manifest. That whenever we speak about the, the enemies in Tehillim, we could also be speaking about our internal enemies. Let all who take refuge in you rejoice, ever jubilant as you, uh, as you shelter them, and let those who love your name exult in you. Right? So we're speaking about the person who places their trust in Hashem, the person who begins their day turning to Hashem, Hashem, protect me from myself, protect me from those who want to attack me, but with that faith and trust, like we saw in the last chapter, in chapter 4, that brings about a joy. We turn to Hashem with joy. Ultimately, the service of uh, uh, of Judaism is one of it's one of joy it doesn't mean that we're callous and flippant in our relationship with God we have absolute fear and awe and we bow to him with fear but through that fear through that submission and through that faith we're ultimately able to take refuge and we will rejoice in Hashem's presence knowing that Hashem is watching over us because God watches over those who are righteous and he, he encompasses us, the righteous, with, uh, with favor like a shield. The word sina um, is specifically like a full body shield. It's those huge shields, not just the small ones that we think of, but the ones that, they, that cover the entire body. Hashem pr- totally protects those who are, uh, those who those who turn to him. Okay, so um, let's, let's uh, you know, just in terms of some takeaways over here, again, David over here is speaking about his external foes, but I think for us, we could also look at this as a metaphor for our internal foes, and we're asking Hashem to save us from ourselves, and the, the introductory pastors are very powerful and really are introduction to tefillah in general. The recognition that our words will not fully express our thoughts. We ask Hashem not only to listen to the words, but also to our thoughts. And the importance of believing in prayer for it to work. And lastly, this idea that we do not turn to God out of fear of God uh, punishing us, but rather, we come to Hashem's house through God's kindness, that we recognize God loves us. Again, we turn, we submit to Him with awe, but we recognize that it's coming from a place of God's kindness, and that recognition, as David goes on to say, should give us joy. The recognition that God loves us and is welcoming us in to a place that he calls our house, our shared space. God wants us to create a shared space. In ancient times, that's the base of Migdash. In modern times, that's our shul. That thought alone should fill us with joy that God is welcome, wants us to have a base Knesset, a place of gathering between us people, but also a place that we could connect to him. That in and of itself, even before we open our mouth in tefillah, when we walk through the doors of a shul or outdoor shul, whatever, wherever we dive in, the recognition that Hashem is welcoming, welcoming us in. And now we're not running away, but it's rather a welcoming map that's being put out in front of us. That should fill us, fill us with joy. And of course, the knowledge that Hashem is watching over us as we turn to him should fill us with even more joy. Okay, have a wonderful, wonderful day. Um, Thanks for joining, and I'll see you tomorrow. We're going to discuss the Parsha. Thank you so much for joining. Oh, sorry, I missed a chat. Measure to avoid fixed str- uh, stringed instruments. That's a fascinating question, Shelley. Um, so in the Beis Hamikdash, they actually did not have the the you know it's a rabbinic law that we don't have instruments in the in the uh, that we don't use instruments um, you know on Shabbos um, again for a concern of us fixing them. But in the Beis Hamikdash, they actually played instruments on Shabbos. So if you were to come into the Beis Hamikdash on Shabbos, you would not uh, miss out in the beautiful uh, instrumental music 
because it's a rabbinic law, many of the rabbinic laws, if they have anything to do with the the, the service in the base of Megdash, would be uh, would be used. So I don't know. Yeah. So you're saying okay, got it. So you're saying that even still, maybe they were extra stringent. It could be. It could be. I always assumed uh, that it just flutes were a common instruments back then, but I'm not sure. It could be. That's an interesting uh, interesting theory. I, I never looked into it too thoroughly. I got to look into it some more. Okay. Thanks for joining. Have a great day. Fascinating question. I need to look into this a little bit more to get a better sense of uh, whether it was just cultural or it was a Shabbos uh, based on Shabbos. That's okay. I'll look into it.